Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. And the word of the Lord reads like this, and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Glory to God. I'm ministering a word, uh, a series. I'm coming to its conclusion, its climax. Uh, it's called Restore. Today's message at uh, 8 o'clock is entitled, Don't Sabotage Your Restoration. God is trying to get something to you. Don't be the agent yourself to sabotage. The restoration that's in place that's already started in Jesus name glory to God father I thank you for this message I thank you that we're all on one accord we've taken communion we feel your presence our souls say amen we bless you for this time we bless you for this time we honor you in Jesus name we thank you for all that you say and do. We would ask that you would anoint us afresh. Keep us humble. Help us to watch the enemy that has been set to sabotage our restoration. And Father, I pray that as I equip the saints by your spirit, that you would make us, Father, steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Help us to resist any temptation. To put our nose into your business. Help us to receive what you're trying to get into our lives. And into our families. Again, our souls say amen. And we bless you for that in Jesus' name. Say it again, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence. Actually, already seated. Thank you. While worship was going on, I pulled my sister close and I said, thank you for your help. I don't know if I say that enough. She's always, uh, in my early ministry, always, um, she was the first in our family to connect with me as a, a leader and to receive me, not just as a brother, but as a, uh, a man of God. You know, she doesn't call me by my name. She called me bishop or chief bishop. <laughs> That's my sister, and I go to war for her. And uh, that's what we need. Ladies need protection. They need protection. They need to feel like they're secure. And I appreciate you, brother, for making her feel that way. It's important to do so. You never let your woman feel like she has no covering. You do what you gotta do to make it happen. That's God, and that's Alpha. <laughs> and our conference on next year is going to be called Straight Up. This is the men's conference, Straight Up Alpha. That's the name of the conference, Straight Up Alpha. What we're going to do is help men to become the leaders they need to be, and not beta standing behind the lead. You pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray. You're the leader. You pray instead of saying, you know what, I got this. Stand with me in agreement. You know what would happen in the atmosphere of your home if you did that? Everything that's in the woman would start coming out of her. And I'm not just talking about necks. <laughs> I'm not talking about attitude. I'm talking about gifts and talents and prestige and honor and dignity and know-how because God invested in her. And it takes us to uncap it. Can somebody say amen? Glory to God. 
I read to you out of Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. I will revisit it. In this one verse, we see several major external themes. This, listen, major external themes or even schemes that are at work. They're being arranged even now by the enemy to sabotage the work of restoration that God has already initiated in your life. The threat is real and the danger is imminent. Anytime God tries to restore anything, it awakens a hornet's nest from the pits of hell and they begin to fly at your destiny. You're casual about it, but the devil can feel the reverberation in the earth when the anointing for restoration is released. When Jesus came to a certain region, there was a demoniac. But when his foot hit the soil of the land, when he stepped out of the boat, and when his foot hit the soil of the land, it reverberated in the land. And the man began to cry in the tombs in the distance. Ah! Ah! And take rocks and cut himself with rocks as he's crying in the tombs. You know why that happened? Because the devil in him felt the reverberation of the anointing. And when God is doing something in your life, the devil that wants to lock you down can feel it. Just like a spider in a web. If a fly hits the web, the spider knows he's there. He doesn't even have to move. He already knows and he starts inching toward the reverberation to wrap it up and to sink its fangs in it and then suck the juice out of it. And that's exactly what the black hornet, the black widow is trying to do to you. And that is can feel that demonic spirit can feel that God is about to restore your life. And what he'll do is he will send something your way to lock you down. But I'm here to tell you I'm awakening your awareness tonight today. And God is allowing you to know something good is coming. Don't sabotage your own restoration. And so in this one verse, we see an external uh, theme or even schemes of the enemy. He's already at work. He's heading your way to sabotage what God has already started. I think I told you a few weeks ago, anytime you are going to reconnect in the valley of dry bones, before you see any connection of joints and sinew, before you see any standing and and, and becoming an exceeding great army, you're going to hear a rambling or a noise in the midst of the valley. And some of you right now are experiencing the noise of restoration and it's messing up your head. Don't get uh, discombobulated with the noise of restoration. Different moving parts that are just moving. Moving, stuff happening that you didn't even think would happen. Don't, don't worry about all that. Focus on the Lord. And get out of God's way and let him handle it because he can do more in three days than you can do in three, four, five, ten, fifteen 10, 15 years. He can restore. Can somebody say amen? In one hour, he brings Joseph out of the pits. Glory to God. And late in the midnight hour, he can turn your stuff around. He can work in your favor. This message is designed to make you aware, but also to awaken a desire to see God complete what he started. So what is the definition we read out of uh, Nehemiah 4 verse 8 and 9? What is the definition of a conspiracy? The Bible says, and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. People will want to come into your life just to create confusion. It's right there in the text. Absolutely. But the scripture says, nevertheless, say it loud, nevertheless. See, you can't focus on what they are trying to do. You've got to say, nevertheless, I'm not going to allow my mind to stray and go after what others are trying to do. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God. Yeah. It's right there in the text. Instead of worrying about what they do, you need to lock hands. Come on, man. Lock hands with family and say, I see the enemy coming, but I'm, I'm pulling everybody together. We're going to talk to God about what's happening here. God, you brought our family this far. You're the one that helped us to be what we are and who we are. We're not going to let the enemy distract us. God, we need you to help this confusion and this attack that's coming against us and this plan that the enemy has to stop us from being what God 
wants us to be. We put you in charge of it. We're going to get out of the way, sit our behind down, and let God cover you. Because of them, we set a watch. Because of them, we didn't just go back and lay in the bed. We set a watch against them day and night. So what is the definition of a conspiracy theory? We see it big in America. It is an assumption. It is a concept. It's not even real. It's a theory. It's an assumption or a concept or even a philosophy. And if it's, if it's a philosophy, a concept, or an assumption, if it's a philosophy that seeks to explain an event, it seeks to explain an event or a circumstance as a result of a secret plot. As a result of a secret plot, by usually, it comes usually from powerful conspirators, people who have authority. It wouldn't mean anything if I tried to start a conspiracy theory and I'm just a pastor of a church in a local area. But when you have authority and power and you can speak to millions and you say it and people buy into it, you'll see masses move toward it. Notice it's just an assumption. It is a concept or a philosophy. It may not even be real. And if it is a philosophy that seeks to explain an event, a previous event, or a set of circumstances as a result of a secret plot. We got to be careful. Whether it is true, whether the theory is true or alive, if a fraction of the masses get it, you won't see much movement. But if the masses buy into it, even if it's a lie, it can become very dangerous, extremely dangerous. What's happening in America now, you got millions of people that don't trust the elections anymore. This is dangerous because the next time there's an election, you may see division in the country, especially if it don't go the way that those conspirators wanted to go. And they say, listen, this is a, this is a, they, they came against us. It's all fake. Once that happens now and you don't believe in democracy, what do you have now? You need a Hitler to stand before you? You need a Hitler to stand and say, I got it now. I can take care of all of you. I will decide what happens for you. I will use the nuclear bomb and blow up a whole city if you don't agree with me. Or I'll gas all of you all because I have the army with me. That's how dangerous it is. And let me tell you something about religious conspiracy. The enemy has already begun to use the conspiracy mindset or the philosophy to mess up people. The word isn't true. That's what he said. The word isn't true. Faith isn't real. Look what happens to you. Look what's going on in your life. There's a plot. Everybody's against you. And you feel when you hear these things that you got to stand up for yourself. And if you stand up for yourself, God will step back. The Bible says vengeance is mine, said the Lord. In other words, I need my people to back up. Even when there's a major issue, back up and allow me. You can voice the issue, but to try to manipulate it, you're standing in God's place now. And God wants to be the Lord of all. And he wants to be able to take care of the situation. And when it's all over, everybody can say, God did that. I had nothing to do with it. Actually, I was mad. But God worked it out in my life. Can the church say amen? amen. Glory to God. I want you to read the entire chapter of Nehemiah chapter 4. Because this man was trying to restore a broken down city and a broken people. And he had conspirators to come against it. Let me break it down. In this one verse, this, this one verse, we see a scheme, an external scheme to stop the plan of God. Is it possible for God's work of restoration to be hindered or impeded in your life? Absolutely. It is possible for the work of God, the work of restoration to slow down in your life if you get in the way. Or if you allow the conspirator to mess up your mind by releasing something in your mind that will take you away from God's plan and arrangement. Notice the word. And all of them conspired together to come. All of them conspired together. Point number one, all of them conspired together. The plot and the unified bond in the plot. All of them conspired together. 
What, what, this is what the enemy does many times when restoration is coming. The enemy says, I need to divide the one being restored and then I can conquer them. I need to divide them. This is, this is, this is his plan one-on-one. I'll divide and then I'll conquer. I'll divide, but notice he's not divided. The Bible says it's clear. It's clear. And all of them, not excluding one, all of them conspire together. Here's a unified plot to dethrone you. But you fall into the bondage and to the tendency of dividing yourself, getting mad, separating, and, and being fractioned or departmentalized, and nobody ever comes together as one. The enemy knows if he can get his people, God's people, to never have a solid front, he can still kill and to destroy. Even the shield of faith in Ephesians chapter 6 is the solid front of your confession. It's not a physical shield. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God in the pulling what? Down of strongholds. But you need to understand the solid front of your confession is your shield. That's being able in your home or in your life or in your family tree or in your church when you see confusion coming or an attack of the enemy for all of us to stand together and say the same thing. When you say the same thing, a solid front, the enemy has nowhere to go. But if one is saying one thing, another is saying another, and we're never able to come together as one, we will be divided and then the enemy can pluck us asunder. How many of you know the devil is a liar? But he's united. In the kingdom of darkness, there's one leader. His name is Lucifer. Name changed to devil. Satan. Slewfoot. Beelzebub. The prince of flies. <laughs> Whew, the son of the morning. That's his name. The son of the morning. Uh, he's the god of lights. The God of this world. Don't play with him because he curls his tail of influence and pull down one third of the stars. Don't play with him. He's been here a long time and he lurks to seek whom he may devour. For Satan comes against the church as a roaring lion to seek whom he may devour. And if you're un, uh, ununited or disunited, dis, uh, whatever the word is, if you don't have yourself together and you don't come together as one, he will divide you and conquer you. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. This creature is, is unique. He was made by God. He can create his own music. That's why he pumps through it. And that's why young people, if they listen to the wrong thing, they'll have an attitude. Because the music is actually inspired by the enemy. You think it's just your favorite singer. But it's something they're putting inside of you. Demonic strongholds to make you come against authority and won't listen to nobody. You got to shut that down and start putting a praise on your lips. Can somebody save me? This creature is very unique. And he said within his heart, uh, why am I just giving a praise to God? I will exalt my throne above the most high. And Jesus said, I saw him fall as lightning. But he didn't lose his influence. He didn't lose his cunningness. And if you don't know the name of Jesus, I don't want to get ahead of myself. And you don't have a, a clear picture of who you are. He will tear you asunder. The Bible says, Simon, Simon. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Simon, Simon. When he calls twice, it means he's shifting things. Simon, Simon. Satan desires to have you. In other words, I'm looking at the spirit that's on the other side of you. He's salvating. The Bible says Satan desires to have you to sift you as wheat. In other words, when I'm done with you, they won't even remember your name. That's his desire. You're playing with it. You think it's cool, but he desires to sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you. Whoo, Jesus. How many of you are glad Jesus is crying out for us? How many of you are glad that intercession is being made for the saints even now? And I'm glad that he's praying for me. But I want you to get real in your soul. Get it real. Get it deep down in your soul. Satan doesn't like you and he wants to sabotage your restoration. Notice they are not divided, they're united. All of them conspired. Here's a conspiracy. They're united by the conspiracy. It's a theory or philosophy. 
It's not even real. And it pulls them together even more than it pulls, than the gospel pulls church people together. That's why a lie in the church or gossip in the church can be dangerous. Because what it, ha it don't even have to be real. You just throw it out there and people start believing it and they back away from their leadership. The enemy divides and conquers. You don't want to be the agent of that. Come into a church, don't like me because I wear a collar or because I'm finer. <laughs> and so you feel like you got to say something negative. If you don't like it, do something about yourself. You don't have to tear another man down because you don't like it or because another lady is fine. You don't like her. You got to tear it down. Learn how to find yourself. And when you do that, you don't have to worry about other people. Keep it moving forward. Can somebody say amen? What do you want me to be broke down? You want me to be broke? Walking around like a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody? Or do you want me to have confidence? Come on, leadership, you need confidence. You don't need to be cocky, but you need confidence. Can somebody say amen? God wants you to have confidence. Stand up straight. Come on, grow, truth reveal. It means straighten your back. It's good. Grow, truth reveal, straighten it up. Don't let life kill you. Come on, there's too much life in you. You got to tell the devil, there's too much life in me. I can't die right now. I've got too much. Too much potential. Too much God hadn't done yet. Can't die now, moving forward. Notice they came together conspiring against Jerusalem to attack Jerusalem. Jerusalem is called the city of peace. What you have to see is the enemy is coming to divide and conquer with a conspiracy to attack your peace. What does peace mean? It's not just tranquility of soul. Peace means nothing missing, nothing scattered, and nothing broken. And when God says peace over your life, he's going to take that which is missing and help you find it. He's going to take the things that are scattered, hallelujah, and help you to arrange it. And even the things that are broken, he's going to fix it. You don't have peace if you got broken stuff and if you got stuff scattered and if you got stuff that you can't find. So God is going to help you to locate that which you can't find. He's going to help you to rearrange that which is scattered and he's going to help you to fix that which is broken. So look at your life. What's broken? What's broken? I speak peace over you. The enemy is coming to attack that even while God is restoring. God is trying to restore and the enemy don't want you to get the things that are broken fixed. And he wants you to put something in there and say something to sabotage what God is trying to do. And you got to learn how to sit down and let God cover you. Don't allow the enemy to get you to say the wrong thing right now because God is at work in your life to do great things. Can the church say amen? Don't let him take your peace. Say that with me. Devil, you can't have my peace. And I'm not talking about Colt 45s. And I'm not talking about Glocks. I'm talking about internal peace. I'm talking about in your mind. Glory. I just decree and declare that insomnia would not be your dominant force. You will sleep well tonight in the name of Jesus. God is going to release peace over you. Somebody right now lifting their hand. That's right. Because you can't even rest. You're worried about everything. There is no tranquility inside of you. You always blame yourself for everything that goes wrong. And God is saying to you, I love you and I want you to receive. Restore. I want to restore everything that the canker worm and the scattering worm and the crawling locust has eaten up in your life. Don't hinder me from doing the work. And I just decree and declare that insomnia is not your friend. You will rest and you will sleep and I decree a Sabbath over you. In the name of Jesus, Jesus said, come unto me. Uh, all ye that labor uh, and are heavy laden not just for salvation and I will give you sabbath I will give you rest take my yoke upon you not the world's yoke not your yoke not what circumstance tried to put on you take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I'm meek and lowly at heart and you will find sabbath for your soul 
The day is not, Sabbath is not a day per se today. It is a person. There are people, I got, I can't do nothing on Saturdays. Religions in America can't do nothing on Saturday. Seventh day at Venice and I can go on, not cutting you down. But what they failed to miss, what Ellen G. White failed to miss, when she's a great prophet, what she failed to miss is that Jesus is the day. This is Jesus. This is Jesus that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad. This is the day that the Lord has made. That day is Sabbath. And the name of it is Jesus. He's the Sabbath day that we find rest. He is the person that we come to and put our necks in the yoke with him. And we don't have to worry about that which is missing, that which is scattered, and that which is broken. Glory to God. Are you all with me? Glory to God. Not, not only did they attack Jerusalem, come to attack the city of peace and the restoration of its torn down gates and systems. But the Bible says they came, put it up to create confusion. Do you mean, do you mean to tell me that the devil will send agents? <laughs> Angel life just to create confusion. The only purpose is to create some type of confusion. The Bible says the author of confusion is who? Is the devil. Anytime, <laughs> I don't care what it looks like. Anytime confusion breaks out, you need to know the one sending it. I don't care how fine it is. I don't care how great it looks. Anybody that's causing confusion has been sent to you by the devil himself. It is the opposite of peace. I don't care. Don't allow yourself to sabotage it where you harbor the confusion and everybody else wrong. You harbor the confusion. It's sent by the devil. You got to learn how to protect that which is real. Protect the peace. And if it, if it assimilates to peace, then you can reach it. If it's, if it's willing to assimilate with peace, then we can do it. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm preaching the word today. Sit your behind down and let God cover you. Get out of the way. The devil is the author and the finisher of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. He's the prince of peace. Come on, say that, prince of peace. And I speak peace over you. Holy Spirit is whispering peace over you. Let Holy Ghost cover you like a cloud. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let it be so, God. Notice the scripture. Because of them we set a watch. Day and night. I don't know why you would be relaxed right now. Uh, when restoration is pending. And you just coast it. It is not complete yet. Because of the confusion. The Bible says we set a watch. Day and night over them to watch. In other words. I need a sentinel. I need a sentinel. If you ever go to Israel and you start moving around Israel, the mountains of Nephthali uh, are, is, is a mountain ridge where, where Israel, the capital in Jerusalem, uh, the Knesset, they have sent out a post there who stand on top of the ridge to look over. You can see other nations from it. So they can see if any impending nations or any, any threats are coming or marching toward them. And you have posts. I mean, these are posts where the, the guard is standing watch day and night on the mountains of Nephthali. And anybody that's named Nephthali should be a person that's a sentinel. In other words, you're able to detect not people, but the devil, even in your own life. And if you don't know how to work that, maybe you need to hook up with me. So I can train you in how to be what God made you to be. And not what you inspire to be glory to God so you need to make sure that you set a watch in other words I decree and declare that alertness 
alertness and a sentinel within your own spirit is being to rise up even by, by the spirit of God to detect any sabotage spirit that's on its way to derail restoration in your life. And you have to be able to cast it down. You already know if it's confusion, it's of the devil. You already know if it's, if it's not uh, causing me to find what's missing and to rearrange that which is scattered and to fix that which is broken. It can't come from God. So I'm not going to embrace it. And there you've already pushed back from external, external schemes to block or sabotage your restoration. Glory to God. So now let's talk about internal enemies. There are five factors that I want to give you, maybe a little bit more, which will explain, at least to some degree, how the enemy is able to work internally to paralyze and to even um, to make you ineffective as it relates to restoration. To paralyze your restoration and ineffectiveness to restoration. We talked about external. These are people coming into your life. But how do you think about restoration? It's going to hurt, but I need to do it. Number one, if you're uncovered and unconverted, it is very difficult for you to be fully restored. Let me say it again. If you're uncovered and you're unconverted, in other words, you come to church because you're going through a hard time and you lift up your hands. But a true commitment to God only lasts as long as the trial lasts. In other words, when the trial lifts, you go back to dancing. All on the floor, drinking. All on Facebook. Mm, that's it. Throw it. Throw it. Work it. Wiggle with it. Wiggle with it. I just saw you at church crying. If I turn you down when you ask me to pray, oh, you ain't ready for this prayer. You say, what kind of preacher is that? I asked for prayer. Can you believe it? Here's the conspiracy. He don't love nobody but himself with his goal. What if I could see that you ain't ready? You're just going through a burden. You're carrying a burden that's just hard for you to carry. But in terms of being converted, you ain't ready for that. You only use God as a Santa Claus. Christmas coming. I need gifts. God help me. What about the other 365, 64 days of the year? Are you willing to commit to him? Commit to his ways? That's conversion. What about being uncovered? There are people who know him but refuse authority. Resist authority. That's why I say you need to sit down and let God what? Cover you. That means he spreads his wings out. You're under his pavilion. You sought the pavilion. He's your refuge and your strength. Your very present help in the time of trouble. When he's covering you, you don't have to be afraid. Fear is not your motivation to do anything. Or being left alone. Because you are not alone. I am here with you, God says. Not Michael, God. Though we're far apart in terms of physical distance, you're always in my heart. There are many people engaged in God's work who do not know the Lord. They're the people that come to church to volunteer. I just want to do something for God. But they go back to their old ways every day. And don't really give God all in all. Whew. It's going to hurt, but it's real. I have to make a distinction with the uncovered and the unconverted. When you don't know the Lord and you refuse to be converted or to be covered, there's a measure of grace that he can't release to you. Every area of your life that you don't submit to God, there's an area of grace that he can't release. He can't infuse you with it. And that's why there's such a grind. Say, for instance, if you don't submit to God financially, anytime I talk about it, you... That's what you do inside. Again? 
But we can talk about anything for you. There's nothing too big. There's nothing. If, if I sent you a thousand, you wouldn't say, whoo, that's too much. You say, thank you. Oh, you're the best. <laughs> and now you begin to see what's in the heart, right? Because if you can receive a thousand, but you got a problem when others receive a thousand, something's wrong with heart. And there's an area that God can't inject grace in. Once you open up that for the grace of God, the heart expands not only to give, but you become a greater capacity to receive. When God wants you to give, he's trying to get a harvest to you. Not just a few dollars, a harvest. You can't beat God giving. <laughs> no matter how you try. The more you give, the more he gives to you. Just keep on giving because it's really true. Because you can't beat God giving. No matter how you try. Y'all don't remember that song, right? You got to be young, man. You got to be young to hear that. That happened when I was a young person in the church hearing them sing that song, didn't understand it, but it's true. You will never beat God giving. You give him a tithe, but he bless family. You give him a tithe, he gives you favor. You give him a tithe, stuff just start happening. Woo, help me, Jesus. That's why the devil tries to stop you from submitting that portion to God. What about unforgiveness? Uncovered in an unforgiveness is an uncovered zone. Whoo, Jesus. He said, I know they hurt you, and I know it stings even now, but to stay in the zone of unforgiveness, there's a measure of grace God can insert. Because unforgiveness sometimes becomes worse than the perpetrator. The perpetrator doesn't even remember. And you still carry it. And that lifeline, they could be dead. The lifeline, the connected, it's not a lifeline. The death line is still connected with the decayed body. Pumping in confusion and hurt and death in your life. That's why forgiveness has to be covered by God. Unforgiveness is uncovered. Whew. There are people who seek to serve, but when you're uncovered or unconverted, there's no measure of grace for the experience of service. You want the maximum measure of grace. Let me tell you something else. When you're covered, you have to have a better attitude. Amen. If you were out at a parade and it was like 98 degrees and I came up and put an umbrella, gave you a chair, and gave you some greater rate, what would you do? You would receive it and say what? You. you would say thank you. Because I just stopped that heat from hitting the top of your head. And I sat you in a chair, put a fan there, sat you in a chair, and gave you some cold, ice cold Gatorade to make sure your electrolytes were coming back up. You know, you don't, look, you don't even have to know me. You'll say thank you. Thank you so much. I, was a, I saw mirages. When you let God cover you with his umbrella and sit you down in the midst of your trials, he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. In the midst of them, he still blesses you. They don't want you to be blessed. And he, in the midst of all of their confusion, he still blesses you and lets you sit down and eat a steak right before him. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my conflicts. You anoint my head with oil. You give me spiritual Gatorade. You give me an anointing. Smear me with it in the midst of. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life. You can't look to the one and say thank you. You can't say thank you. You know you couldn't have done this by yourself. You didn't have the grace. He did it. You can't look at him and say thank you. That's all he wants. 
to turn it back to him instead of turning it to yourself. That's what the man did. I'm going to build bigger bonds. Look what I've accomplished in my life. I said, what are you talking about? Tonight I'm taking your soul. You didn't build this. You don't have the capacity. I did it for you. Somebody was praying for you. Somebody was crying out to me for you. You don't even pray. Can't you just say thank you, God? Submission pulls on the human frame, our nature, more than any other law. That's why it's hard for people to do it. But God requires it. Lest you sabotage your own restoration. The second one is an unsurrendered spirit. The Bible says the carnal mind is enmity against God in Romans chapter 8. It is enmity. It's going to hurt, but I got to help you to not sabotage your restoration. The carnal mind is enmity against God. And actually, when you step into carnality, you actually throw up your fist against God. That's how he see it. The devil is not God's enemy. Let me say it again. The devil is not God's enemy. The devil is your adversary. And your adversary, the devil, walks in the world as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He can't devour God. He's been cast down. God's real enemy is a carnal mind and your flesh that will dominate your thinking. The Bible says it's hostile against God. That's what enmity means. It's hostile against God. Against God. In other words, your flesh is constantly doing like this to God. If God is a man, it's pushing him in his chest. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. That's what your flesh does. That's why you can't let it lead you. That thing that don't want you to pray, don't want you to fellowship, don't want you to submit to God is hostile against God. It will welcome every other entity, even idols. When it comes to God, as a pushback. Glory to God. There are six kinds of human beings. I'm going to write about it. First is the natural man or woman. That's a person who just unsaved. I got a word for you too. I can preach it another time. The natural person, just natural. If a person is natural, all they're going to want to do is just have fun. They're not committed. They, they don't, you can't trust it. They're natural. They're not unsaved, don't know anything about truth. They just do what they do and have fun. Natural. That's why you got to know what stage a person's in. Some people are atlases as a natural person. I mean, just powerful naturally, but you got to move beyond natural if you're going to have covenant for life. Then we have what we call the spiritual. That's a person who not only has given their heart to the Lord, but their spirit has been recreated or regenerated by the Holy Spirit. They're now led of the spirit and not the lust of the flesh. They're just they're led by the spirit. And not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. In other words, they know what time it is. The flesh doesn't dominate them. Dominate them. So you have the natural, then the spiritual. Then you have what we call the uncircumcised. That's people who veil themselves. They veil themselves. They only tell you what you need to know. They don't tell you or uncover. They're very uncomfortable about skinning it back and allowing you to see everything. They like to wear hoods in their lives. I'm not talking about hoodies. I'm not talking about Trayvon Martins. I'm talking about veiling themselves. Only peeking out to show you a little bit of themselves. Maybe they're hiding something themselves. And I'm not talking about hiding sin. But something that happened to them. When they were little children. That they can't talk about. It happens with men all the time. Even premature men that are premature, a lot of times they're trying to wipe off something that happened to them that they can't talk about. So they run from one to the next to say, am I really a man? Am I really a man? Am I really a man? 
things are not always as they seem. Ooh, Jesus. And that's why God has to heal the uncircumcised. And there are ladies who have their heart veiled. They're only going to show you the fine side, but not the soft side. Because they have to hide themselves. You have to get to a place where you're able to skin it back and open up your soul. Don't marry the uncircumcised. One of the rules uh, in Samuel's day of Eli and his sons were to check the men before they came into the sanctuary to see if they were uncircumcised. Those practices are long gone. But it was the covenant in Israel that every man had to be skint back. It's a covenant sign. It's very painful to cut back. In the fifth chapter of Joshua, when God appeared to Joshua, when God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 to take them over the Jordan. Moses, my servant, is dead. But I want you to take these people back over the Jordan. And I, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will magnify you in the midst of these people. They will see you like they saw Moses. And he did so. And the Bible says before they could go over that and he did several things. First of all, he told Joshua, you need to circumcise all of them who were born in the wilderness. Over the 40 years, they were born in the wilderness. They don't know my laws yet. They don't have it all together. They, they were born on the run. But I need you to take a flint knife and I need you to put it to the foreskin and cut it off. And then let them heal for three days before you fight. But every man has to go through it. And every man today, every woman today, it's not necessarily a physical thing, but it's a heart thing. Jeremiah 4 says, circumcise the foreskin of my heart. It's veiled. No matter what people say, you don't feel it. God needs to skin that back. And then he can touch you. Ah, and you can feel it. When somebody cries, you just won't say, well, I'm sorry. You'll cry too. Ah, Jesus. Whoo, Jesus. So Joshua cut the foreskin. Hallelujah. And it was a bloody place called Gilgal. Whoo. And you got to go to Gilgal. Guess what? When Elijah, when Elisha is about to take his flight and go to heaven, Elisha said, I want the double portion. And Elijah, the father said, if you can cross the Jordan with me, and if you can go to Jericho with me, and if you can go to Gilgal, the place of the cutting, then you'll get the second win. You'll get the portion that I can release to you. But if you fail to go to these three spots, you won't ever see the next dimension. And even God has a sharp knife in the kingdom. You want to come to him because he saved you from your sin. But you got to deal with the flint knife, knife that cuts away the foreskin. Then takes you from that uncircumcised place to a place where you can feel. Oh God help me. And we got a lot of people that's in the kingdom but they're uncircumcised. Then we have the bastard. When I was writing the word bastard with word, word said this word is not good language. <laughs> I told Siri, listen, don't try to put me through no dictionary. Listen, <laughs> it's right there in the scripture. You know what a bastard is in the, in the scripture? A person who say, I don't have a father. I'm not coming under a covering. I do whatever I want to do. That's bastardism. And they don't take correction. We got a whole lot, whole lot of folk. You can give them $10,000. Thank you. Say, I don't want you to do it. What? That's a person saying I don't have no daddy. That needs to be corrected now. What do you mean you don't have a, what? No child of mine can tell me that. It just can't happen. And things remain the same. You will always have a father, even if I'm dead. You're birthed through your mother's womb, but called through your father's seed. You will respect mama, and you never say that to me. And if you say it to her, we're going to have a problem. You talk about fighting words, don't ever say that. That's bastardism. 
You can't dethrone your daddy. I don't care how bad he is. You can check him and put him in his rightful place, but you can't say, I don't have none. And you can't do it spiritually. Thank you, Lord. We got a whole lot like that. Everybody going after these, everybody, Trey Song, everybody, everybody going after these stuff and these singles and these icons, and they all have no father. If they had a father, he would say, don't treat women that way. You don't treat a woman that way. Fathers teach that. You don't teach them promiscuity. Don't ever say that. That's not what we do. That's what fathers do. Can somebody say amen? amen. Then we have the carnal. That's the one that's enmity. That's the one that fights God the most. He can't get nothing to you. Watch this. This is why it's frustrating. You were saved, but you never submitted. You got saved, you went through the motions, but you never really submitted. That carnal mind is enmity against God. That needs to change. The last one is the son. The son. That's a person who says, I'm spiritual. I was natural. I was uncircumcised. I went through the process. I didn't even like working with people. I was a bastard. I was even carnal at times, but I've transitioned into sonship I'm submitted now God says I can work with the sons they will inherit the kingdom of God rebellion is so powerful in Job chapter 24 and 13 there are those who rebelled against the light should be on the screen I'm almost done there are those who rebel against the light those who rebel against the light they do not know its ways, nor abide in its paths. There are those who can see the light and turn from light. Notice, look at the word, rebel against the light. They do not know the way, its ways, the ways of the light, the clear path, because they always stray. Look at this, nor abide in its paths. They always take an alternate route. Very dangerous. Rebellion is the third one. Disobedience is rebellion. It's a transgression against God. And it will sabotage your restoration. Really, when God says, do this, or be quiet, or sit down, or make sure you want to work that out, just obey him. Because disobedience is as witchcraft. It's, it's rebellion. And he, he doesn't deal with that. I never negotiate with rebellion. Total defiance. No one should. No one should. I was chasing in my son one time. And he's a man now. But I was getting on him about something. I think I went overboard. And, but he submitted to it. And... Uh, and uh, I was really angry with him about something that happened. And, uh, and I looked at him and he was saying, yes, sir, to me. But it was like, Daddy, you, go, you know, you're going too far with that. He didn't say it, but I saw it in his eyes. And I backed up. I said, man, come here, man. I'm sorry, man. And three years later, I felt bad about it. And he just grabbed me by my face. He said, you don't have to say that anymore. You're a good dad. It's like, Wow. But it really hurt me, man, because we can go too far. I thought I was okay because I was correcting a rebellious mind. But even in that, you can go too far with the chastising. And I balanced that out. And he just grabbed me. He said, you don't have to do that anymore. I'm past that. You know, you were getting me straight about something that was very severe. I mean, I didn't hit him, but I was, I was really digging in, you know, and it just was too much. And you know that, parents. You've, been, you've, gone so, you've gone too far. Some of you haven't gone far enough. I mean, <laughs> you always, you got to step up. Straight up, Alpha. It's easier to loosen up after you've been tight than to try to tighten when you've been loose. You need balance, right? You need balance. Start out with a gentle hand but strong. Consistent. Woo. Rebellion. 
is a transgression against God. That stubborn spirit, that it's going to hurt, that contention, <laughs> disputes, defies God's will, uh, uh, disobedience, disputes. It's right there. The path is there, but you're going to argue it down. But what are we arguing about? That's the path. That simple, simple thing right there takes you, that takes you from the path takes you to corruption all the time. If you move from the light, you step into corruption. There's no other option. There's no variables. Moving from the path of light steps into corrupt, corruption. And it's always motivated by the spirit of pride. What does God do with pride? James said it. He resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. This is a man who was the half-brother of Jesus himself. His brother. Jesus is in the home. Face shining. I ain't, I ain't worried about that. Thousands of people follow him. Nah, see. I saw him on the toilet one day. Ah. Miracles. Ah. That's, what J- that's what James did. After Jesus was raised from the dead, he appeared to his brother. This is what historians say. He appeared to his brother in his magnified state. And it was so overwhelming to him, he fell on his knees. And he stayed there for months. The same one. He stayed on his knees for months until they became flat like a camel. And he crippled himself to where he had to walk around like this. That's why when he talks about prayer, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available it's because when God humbled him and he saw his brother in the light in which he came he crippled himself and I pray that God would raise up many today where he doesn't have to put you on your knees You do it willingly. This man, when he talks about corruption and pride, God resists the proud. You got to know where he comes from. But he gives grace to the humble. That rebellious spirit, I could stay there for a while. It stops the whole move of God. Please don't let that. Cause you to step away from your destiny. Restoration is possible, but rebellion doesn't go away without sanctification. You got to put that on the altar. It's not some rest. It will block your restoration. As I close, pride and unforgiveness, deliverance is appointed. Pride and unforgiveness will derail. Your, your restoration. But deliverance is appointed. In other words, when God says I'm going to restore, that's an appointed time for it. You don't want to delay it. See, God has a system and a cycle that he has you through. And he has another one that he's trying to spin you out of so you can step into the new move. And he has a time frame for this one to be completed. If you don't follow his plan and sabotage the restoration here, you're going to lock his plan down and not derail it, but you're going to slow it down. And when you should be over there, you're still spinning here. I had a dream that the Lord uh, had me to get on the bus. I barely got on the bus. It took off when I got to the bus and then the bus took me to his train station. I got off the train, got my bags. As soon as I got on the train, it took off. It's like, whoa, I barely made it. And then I, the train took me to an airport. And when I got there, just barely got on the airport. As soon as I got in, they shut the door and the plane took off. And he gave me this lesson that I'm teaching you. You must move with my timing, not yours. I have you on a course. I'm trying to get you to the next country. And if you don't follow me, you will miss the move. Some people are stuck right there on a bus when you should be already flying on a plane. 
Some people should be dealing with aerodynamics and you still dealing with brakes. Fifth gear. When God wants to take you to the law of aerodynamics into a whole new zone. Woo. He wants to take you to Tel Aviv and fly you up the eastern seaboard, cross over the, Medi the Atlantic Ocean, down through the Mediterranean Sea, barely coming over Paris, and then flying over the Mediterranean and coming into Tel Aviv. Good landing. And you still stuck on a bus. Stuck on a bus at your last unforgiving place. But God is telling you to sit down so he can work it out. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. <laughs> Patience is the key. Don't rush the restoration. Let it, it's his timing. It may take a little longer for somebody else than it do you. But it be patient. I'm done, y'all. I'm done. Come on, put your hands together. Woo. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.